sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels of Jesus Christ. These four documents are the most important documents that we have in scripture, and frankly, I think you could even say in the universe. We're going to back up that claim, explain why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are so important in the episode, this episode of Ignition. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith on ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into the four gospels, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if, you get, if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us, and the easiest way to do so is by email. The address is cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. Again, c-b-u-r-g-w-a-l-d at sfcatholic.org or ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. I am joined via the miracle of technology once again uh, by Dr. Bob Rice. Bob, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Chris? Doing well, thank you. So, Bob, uh, had you on the show uh, several weeks ago now to talk about comic book movies, basically. So, <laughs> right. I thought maybe we should talk about Jesus this No, <laughs> It was a great episode. Uh, had a lot of fun. Got a lot of great compliments. Uh, and definitely, as, as we discussed, then wanted to have you back. So, um, before we get into the topic of the War Gospels, though, in case folks weren't able to watch or listen to that episode, would you mind introducing yourself briefly? Yeah, my name is Dr. Bob Rice. I teach catechetics at Franciscan University of Steubenville, uh, where I'm also involved in youth ministry, music ministry, and I am a diaconal candidate for my diocese, God willing, in November of 2020. Uh, married uh, almost 25 years with seven wonderful kids. Did you say November of 2020? Yeah. No, 2021. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I just figured we skipped 2020, so I'm trying to catch up okay. on it. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So uh, just uh, as you said, God willing, in a few months, one of our one of our priests, he's been ordained for ooh, seven, eight years now. I remember, uh, Bob, when we, we had a sort of a, a lunch in the week of ordination with the diocesan staff here, and um, he this was two days before his ordination, the priesthood, and he said, I'm Father so-and-so, or I'm, I'm, I'm Deacon so-and-so, going to be ordained on Friday, God willing, and he said, oh, never mind, it's going to happen. <laughs> At a certain point, the yeah, God by willing. Then. Yeah, yeah, when you're a few days away from it, you're usually in pretty good shape. Exactly. Amen. Yeah. So, Unless they find the body. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of bodies in Steubenville, but that's another story. Yes, um, that's a true statement. So the four Gospels, Bob. So we, we on Ignition, we've talked before about the Gospel, the Kerygma, but most yeah. Catholics are familiar with the Gospels. In fact, I think for Catholics, when you hear, when you say gospel, they're probably, if, if you said, what is the gospel? And they, they're probably going to say, well, which one? There's four of them. That's usually right. what Catholics think of when they think of the Gospels. So um, as, as kind of you and I do, I'm just going to pull the string and let you go. <laughs> Why are the four Gospels so important, Dr. Bob Rice? All right. So all of Scripture is the word of god all of scripture is living all of scripture is god breathed as scripture itself says of itself and so christ's voice is present in all of the bible in every single work even the old testament uh that is the holy spirit at work that is god revealing himself from beginning to end so the so then you say well what about the gospels and are you saying the gospels are more god's word than the rest of god's word and the church has a fun word 
the church says the gospels are preeminent right. in all of scripture. You know, it's not saying it's way better, you know, the, like the other ones are, you know, not as cool uh, because we need all of the revelation really at the heart of all of the scriptures are the gospels. They are preeminent uh, in everything that we read and we reflect this liturgically, right? I mean, for an Old Testament reading, we'll stay seated for the Psalm, for even a New Testament letter. But when the Gospels are read, and there's always a Gospel read at liturgy, always a Gospel read yep. at liturgy, we stand, we give it its reverence, we give it attention. And that always becomes really of that part of the liturgy of the Word, um, the focal point, you know, the focal point of what we're celebrating. So we, we pray what we believe, just as the Gospels have this preeminence in our liturgical celebration, so too should the Gospels have preeminence in our life because, as the Catechism says, the Gospels are the principal source of the life and teaching of Jesus of Nazareth. So, so to sort of just summarize what we've said so far, all of Scripture is inspired, so um, yep. the Gospels aren't more inspired than right. Acts or Leviticus, um, but there is, as you said, that 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 fun word the church uses. They are preeminent be- precisely because their object or the subject matter um, is the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Yeah, Jesus is you know another fun phrase the church uses is the mediator and sum total of revelation. Um, you know, so if you want to know who God is, Jesus. And if you had to lose these other books, which God willing, you'd never have to lose those other books, but you'd kind of dwindle it down until you're left with the four Gospels. Right. Because that is the best manifestation, the clearest revelation of God is the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And we get that from the Gospels. There's not another source. I think that's always really important to clarify. Uh, what we know of Jesus, we know from the Gospels period, full stop, the end. Now, somebody might say, what about like the private revelation that's happened? Yeah, there's been a lot of private revelation and things, but they're only valid in as much as they authenticate the Gospels. The Gospel is the standard bearer. The Gospel is the rule. It's the canon. This is what we believe of Jesus. And anything else might add to that or enhance the Gospels. It's always the Gospels. It's always, always always the Gospels. So I'm thinking maybe some of our listeners are listening to this and thinking, uh, duh. So (laughs) (laughs) right. What? That's why I'm curious. So why, why is this, you know, I, I told you before we started, I want to talk about something that you're particularly excited about. So, yeah, uh, this, this might, some Catholics might say again, sort of tongue in cheek, duh, like, well, that's, that's, I, I know that Dr. Rice. So I, I, yeah. I, I know that there's another level or another layer here. What is it about this reality, the preeminence of the gospels, um, that's striking you so much? Like what, what's the next level of this? Well, I would say that uh, sometimes my students are nodding their heads and they're like, yeah, sure, of course, we know that. And I would say, great, when's the last time you read one? Mm. And they just kind of stare at me and they're like, uh, I, went, I went to Mass. I'm like, oh, that's great. So you remembered the 20 verses that you heard at Mass. But when's the last time you read a gospel from beginning to end? Like, how have you sat down with the gospels and taken time to say that if you say, and many Catholics would say, I want to be like Jesus, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, these are all true statements, 
There's one way to know who Jesus is. One way to know who Jesus is. The Gospels. Maybe you could say four ways. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But I, I think sometimes we take that for granted. I, I think, um, you know, when you look at the Bible, the Bible is an intimidating book in terms of its length, right? right? And content. Let's not throw that out there, too. Um, but if you just take the Gospels out of it, it's shockingly small. Like, there really isn't that much to the Gospels in terms of the length of them. I would say that each Gospel probably is the equivalent of a few chapters of a modern novel. Right. You know, I would even say like one normal modern novel length would still be long, more likely be longer than all four Gospels put together. It's right. extremely accessible. And then when you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, many of them share the same stories. So even with that, it, it's kind of stunning how what little we have of the Gospels. And but I think it's even more stunning of even with all that little we have, how ignorant we are, even of that. See, Chris, it's like this. You wouldn't buy a book and just open it up in the third chapter of it and read a couple paragraphs and put it down and go, that was really interesting. You know, and then a few days later, you'd open up to the 12th chapter of, you know, whatever the novel is and go, well, I'm not really sure what's going on there, but I like that phrase that was said. I'll, I'll think about that. Like, I think sometimes maybe it's because we're used to hearing it in liturgy. We have a tendency to treat the gospels kind of like a life's little instruction book, mm. like uh, like a fortune cookie. Oh, I like what Jesus said there. Oh, I like what Jesus said there. You know, and just give me a little, give me a little pick me up for the day, right? And the gospels are read in in liturgy with kind of a an assumption that we all are saturated in the gospels and we know the gospels. You know that that's not the place to really get introduced to the Gospels. Right, uh, right. We should be reading them ourselves. And that was a huge focus of the Second Vatican Council. Like, we need to get into Scripture, but specifically we need to get into the Gospels. It's a great starting point. When people tell me they want to start reading Scripture, I always say, well, start with the Gospels. And they're like, shouldn't I start with Genesis? And I go, no, right. actually, start with the Gospels. Because once you understand that, everything else makes sense. If you're just tuning in, this is New Ignition. This is a show for the New Evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, visiting today with Dr. Bob Bryce uh, about the four Gospels and their importance for us as Christians. So it, you were just saying there, oftentimes you, um, your, your standard response to where should I start reading the Bible is actually the Gospels, not the beginning of the quote-unquote book of the Bible, because the book's a library. So let's go to the part of the library that's in a, well, in a set, the, the part of the library that's preeminent to use yes, that word again. Yes, exactly. I think so. So the question that you had posed earlier when I sort of, well, duh, uh, what would you say? And what you, what you say to your students is, when, when was the last time you read them? And I really liked what you were saying then about just a moment ago about how we sort of too often treat it as a, a pick me up. I'm going to take a little bit. So, but going back to your first question, was the last time you read them? Well, um, uh, Dr. Rice, I read them in grad school. Uh, so now for, <laughs> for me to hear them in the mass, um, the pericopes, that's the term, I think, Dr. Rice, uh, yes. the church tells us, or the scholars tell us at least. So I read them, I read them once and now I get those little pick-me-ups. Isn't that good enough? Yeah, I mean, I would say no, um, <laughs> only because, you know, you read something a while ago, but how is it speaking to you today? I forget things. I don't know about you. I actually don't remember everything I read. Right. And if I'm saying I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, then I should be 
frequently reading and reflecting on the life of Jesus Christ. And I would also add this, that, you know, you having the experience of reading back in grad school, um, this idea that it is a narrative, it's a story. And when, when I read the Gospels from beginning to end, the face of Jesus becomes so much clearer to me. You know, when I read it section by section, I'm almost trying to pull a message out of it, you know? And, yep. and again, that's what happens at our liturgies, right? You know, you, you hear the gospel and then there's a homily that teaches you some kind of lesson about the story that we just heard and the scriptures that we just heard, which is fine. I'm not knocking that at all. But when we read the gospel, I'm not necessarily trying to mine it for lessons or ideas I'm just trying to listen to it, and I'm just trying to get a sense of who is Jesus. I, I think I might have said this in the show before, but I'm convinced that our biggest problem in catechetical formation of others is that we focus far too much on what Jesus wants of us, but not enough on who Jesus is. Mm. Because what Jesus wants of us become, makes Catholicism this really difficult moral code standard of living. Yep. Who Jesus is, we, it helps us fall in love. And when we fall in love, the other stuff comes natural. When we read the Gospels, just for the Gospel's sake, we start falling in love with the main character of the Gospel, which is Jesus. You know, Jesus himself. We, we, get a sense of, we get a sense of who he is. We get a sense of how he behaves. What I think is also really a great thing to do when we read the Gospels is allow Jesus to surprise us. Again, we get so used to it. Oh, of course, he's in the temple. He's probably going to knock the tables over, right? But like how shocking that would be. I mean, what he, what he showed, what he represented was just radically, radically different than anybody expected of a Messiah and certainly expected of God's behavior. But those are the moments. Those are the things that we get when we really just sit down with the gospel that we wouldn't get just by hearing a, a brief section of it from time to time, or even every day, if you go to Mass every day. Right, right. And I would say, I mean, the um, certainly it's true, because some some might be thinking, it's true that in, in the Mass, in liturgy in general, but Mass, particularly in Mass, we do encounter Him in a way that I don't yes. encounter Him in my personal prayer and study. However, however, by my prayerful reading, prayerful study of the Gospels, I'm, just to use a word that uh, an author I'm reading lately is really, I'm capacitated. I'm given an increased Ooh. capacity yeah. to for, for a deeper encounter with him in the liturgy. So by me reading and praying and studying the Gospels outside of the liturgy, I'm going to more full, going to be able to more fully engage, encounter him, encounter him. I'm more I'm more deeply capacitated, capacitated for him in the liturgy. So so what we're saying here is in no way diminishing the reality of the kind of the liturgical right. encounter with Jesus Christ. In fact, it's allowing that to deepen, right? Yeah, it's it's what it's actually what the liturgical encounter is almost expecting. Right. Um, you know, it's kind of walking with two feet. Uh, you know, one foot would be that private time of prayer and study and scriptural reflection, and the other foot would be the communal, the sacramental, the, the celebratory part of it. And as I join in a community, and as I receive the Eucharist, and as I celebrate with that, that feeds into my personal prayer time, and vice versa. Then that personal prayer time makes me go deeper into the scriptures, deeper into who Jesus is, and that just opens me up. Yeah, I like that word, capacitates me. Uh, it, it opens me up for a greater celebration and reception 
of Jesus Christ celebrated in the Mass, both in Word and Eucharist. See, when we come forward to receive the body of Christ, we're not receiving just a piece of a dead body. We're receiving Jesus. And I want to know who this is that I'm receiving. The Eucharist isn't a what, it's a who. And the Gospels give me that who. The Gospels are the ones that set up my heart so that when I come forward and receive the body of Christ, I'm not getting a thing. I'm having a deep encounter with a person, a person who I got to know reading the Gospels. So, so folks, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Ignition, I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, visiting with Dr. Bob Rice today about uh, the importance of the Gospels, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and what they mean for us. Um, so, so Bob, I, I want to, we, we've got, we definitely got some, we got over 10 minutes left, uh, and Ooh. I want to get into some practicalities about how you personally do that. Yeah. Um, and if you want to go there now, we can, but, but is, I, don't, I don't want to shortchange or cut you off in terms of sort of the substance of the why. Before we get into the how, is there anything else with the, the why of, of this reading of the Gospels that we're talking about? Yeah, no, I think we really hit it. I mean, I, I think the idea of, allowing the living word to speak to us. And I would just add this for the gospels, but for all of scripture, um, because the word is alive, we read it differently at different times in our lives, even every day. And this kind of goes, Chris, to what you were saying, and that somebody might say, I think I might've read the gospels a while back. I actually, when I teach, I ask students, these are theology students, these are catechetic students, these are sometimes even master students. I sometimes just ask the question, have you ever read a gospel from beginning to end, like a narrative, like a story? And usually at least half of them have not. Right. And these are, these, are, these are master's theology students. I mean, these are people who are dedicating their life to doing it. And so I would imagine that there are many listeners that are going, I don't know if I've ever done that, you know, mm -hmm. like, or even, even thought to do it, you know? And, and again, that's part of what my hope is for sharing this message that, I mean, you will be so richly blessed if you open up the Bible uh, to it, and even if you have, this isn't just a dead letter. This isn't like rereading Lord of the Rings. You know, this is the living word of God. It's, it's alive. You, it'll, the words will come off the page in a different way because that's the incredible thing about all of the scriptures that you, know, you can come back to it. You could meditate on the same verse every day for a year. You know, sometimes we've even had some of the monastic communities just do that. Right. And there's something new from it because the source isn't a piece of paper. The source is God himself. And so that idea of, uh, of reading the gospels, I actually find of all of the scriptures, the gospels for me are the most welcoming because they're written in a story fashion uh, in a narrative fashion that is engaging. It's exciting. You know, it, it, it tells the stories and they're so impactful. And I like seeing how the different gospel writers laid out the stories or the different emphases uh, that we see with them. But I'd probably say that that would be the, the kind of final word on the why. Probably haven't done it. But even if you have done it, do it again, because every reading is different because it's the living word of God that is speaking to us about the most important thing, which is Jesus. Amen. Amen. So with how to... Um... Maybe starting with your own experience, Bob. How how do you? Uh, so I love the you mentioned uh, Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, whatever. I I do know people who read 
Lord of the Rings uh, every right. year. I mean, I yeah. might be talking to one of those people right now. I'm not sure. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if I were. Um, how do you, do you, are you pretty methodical? Do you like, okay, this year I'm going to read whatever, or, or do you, how do you do it, Bob? Yeah, well, I do try to read through the gospels every year. Uh, to be sure. And I, and I just make it a part of my prayer time, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I let the spirit lead me in that, but I find, you know, sometimes like prayer is easy. It's effortless. You know, it's just wonderful. I'm just sitting in God's presence and it's a delight and I don't have to think much. Other times it's like, oh my gosh, has it only been five minutes? What <laughs> am I doing here? And when, I, for me, when I get to those moments, I open up the scriptures and I particularly open up the gospels. I go, okay, Lord, well, I'm feeling a bit dry best thing I can do to recharge is read the gospel. And I, I try to, you know, read it from beginning to end. Um, maybe I'll read a few chapters. Uh, maybe if it's like a day of prayer or retreat, I mean, I might even get through a whole one. Again, it goes by, re- it goes by quicker than you think. Right. Um, you know, I, I can read fairly quickly though, but yeah, I mean, gosh, if you can read fellowship of the ring, <laughs> right. like I would say the gospels are maybe a fifth of that length. I yes. mean, really it is, You'll be stunned at how quickly it goes. Most people can knock it off in a couple hours, you know, just a, just a reading of it. And so if you break that up in your prayer time, I mean, I find it usually it might take me a week or so just to prayerfully read through a gospel. And then in the midst of that, the Lord is moving and speaking and just kind of re-energizing my heart. And I've read the gospel so many times and I'm always like, wait, that's there? Like, where did that verse come from? You know, like, how did I, how have I not seen that before? But that's the power of the living word of God. It really just surprises you or it comes at you at different times and different strengths. So the first practical thing is there's no wrong way to do it. Just start reading it. Um, you know, just like you find time for a book, find time for the gospels. If you don't find time for a book, find time for books. Books are cool kids. Um, but just taking time in prayer, just to start reading through it, maybe a chunk of it, maybe a chapter at a time. I think that could be a really great way to do it. And just to kind of get the sense of, you know, Jesus, show me who you are. You know, pray with the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, open up my eyes and let the Lord reveal himself to you. And the way he's revealed himself to humanity for the past 2,000 years, which has been primarily through the Gospels. So, and so some people might be listening and might say, okay, but for my prayer time, I already sort of have a structure to the prayer, my, my, the, the way that I pray. And I do pray with scripture or whatever, maybe mass readings, whatever it might mm-hmm. be. That, that's what I've been doing for a while myself. So they might be thinking, is, is it okay? Um, and some of us do <clears throat> sort of need permission. Is it okay <laughs> for me to um, just sort of sit down? So I got my prayer time, but in addition to that, is it okay? for me to sit down and do what you just said, sort of just, just read it. And then I've got a a follow-up question I want to put out there at the same time, Bob. Um, and, and is this, am I praying it or am I studying it or both or what Dr. Rice? Yeah, I would say, I would probably say more pray than study, but really simply, I would say read. Um, read with an open heart, with an open mind. I mean, he's communicating to us so clearly it's, I think we can overcomplicate things. I think especially as Catholics, we can overcomplicate things. Um, there's, nothing, there's no better book to read ever in the history of ever, right? Um, this is our Lord and Savior. This is what we know of him. This is how he revealed himself. This is the fullness of God's revelation. And just simply reading it is a blessing. Uh, don't 
we're, don't you don't have to overthink it. I, I like to tell people just keep reading through the narrative. Just get a sense of the story. And what's fun is as you do that, you'll get a sense of the different take from the various authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, it's almost like somebody made this analogy, which I like. You know, if if you wanted to know who I was, you could talk to my mom, you could talk to my wife, you could talk to my best friend, you could talk to my one of my kids. They would all give you a different perspective of me, but it would always be me. Yeah. And in a similar way, you know, when you read the Gospel of Matthew, which was written primarily for a Jewish audience, you're going to see a lot of Old Testament prophecies fulfilled. You know, you're going to see the deep richness of the Jewish tradition coming to life. When you read Luke, on the other hand, Luke was writing for Greeks, and you're going to get more of a, a Greek narrative. There's going to be stronger women because that's part of Greek culture. Uh, you're actually going to get more stories and parables because, you know, a lot of our theater drama came out of the Greek tradition. And I find many people actually really like Luke the most in terms of readability. Uh, when you read Mark, uh, Mark, Jesus is a man of action. Uh, he, you know, Mark was written more for a Roman audience, not a lot of teaching, just a lot of action. And it, it moves very, very quickly. It's the shortest of all the gospels. And then when you read the gospel of John, it's this beautiful poetry, spirituality, focusing on his divinity, you know, adding to what the other gospels had. And you just start to appreciate the difference of all those perspectives. And in hearing all of those perspectives, the face of Jesus becomes that much clearer. I, I really, um, that's a great summary sort of, of, of each of the Gospels. I, I remember years ago, I, somebody just made the point, and I'm sure I heard it before, but it's one of those times where you sort of, oh my gosh, you're, you're struck by it. Um, the church, uh, when she, as you will, in a few months, when you pro- we proclaim the Gospel at Mass, the deacon or the priest, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. So there is, in a sense, one gospel, but told right. for, according to one of four different perspectives, as you just so beautifully summarized what each of them are. Uh, I do my, For myself, I, I oftentimes tend to like to point people to Luke for the, not only the reasons that you indicated, but also because um, if they want, the, the, in Luke, you read about the life and teachings of Jesus. And in volume two, you read about the life, the early life of his body, the church. So that can be a a great for people who are really, okay, what happened next? Well, the church came to be. So uh, you go from Luke wrote his gospel and then he wrote X as well. So that can be a good one, two punch. But a lot of people, Mark, because it's the shortest, maybe like I'm going to start small, all sorts of good reasons to start with any of the four. John, would you ever, who would you incur out of curiosity, Bob, we've got. 30 seconds left. Who would you encourage? Who would you say you should read John first? Well, who's that person? Well, I would say somebody that really um, knows the other gospels because okay. John was written last and it wanted to add to the gospels. Uh, it wanted to tell more stories and give a more complete view, particularly of the divinity of Christ. I would rarely have somebody start with John yeah, because I think you want to be saturated with the basic story and then let John go deeper into, into that story. But you know what? Even if you do, you can't go wrong. Just take the time to read it prayerfully. St. Jerome said ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ, and I think that preeminently applies to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Amen. That's uh, great advice. Bob, thanks for uh, being with us today on this episode of Ignition. 
My pleasure. So, folks, that's going to wrap up today's episode in which we've looked at the four Gospels. Again, as I said at the beginning of the show, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, may God bless you.